reception. I'll take a reception like that. All right. Uh, appreciate Jason. When you have that many announcements, they're hard to remember. But how many are grateful that we have that much going on? You know, it's a blessing. And uh, you may think that I'm in Evansville area or whatever, and I, you know, I don't know about reaching out in Henderson. I will tell you, if you don't know if you're supposed to be a part of that, come and check it out on on Saturday. Just come and see what it's like. Because what we're doing there, we are going to begin doing everywhere. Right? We are. Uh, we will not be just inside the walls anymore. We are going outside the walls. And yes. And, and that ministry group, the ministry council, you may think like, well, we're doing a lot of outreach. And that's not my thing. Guess what? We have a lot of things that need to be taken care of. We have, we have to have people to minister to people when they come in. We have to have people who can serve others. We have, to, we have to have, we have to be ready for what God's doing, right? And He's going to use us to bless others. He's not going to, hopefully, pass us by because we're not ready, right? Because we're not willing. And so we're going to be willing. And uh, so we're going to continue in our Galatians study today, um, technically Galatians 6 is where we're going, but I'm going to go back a little bit into Galatians 5, and you're thinking, wow, he's going to re-preach what Pastor Chad preached? Now, Pastor Chad actually asked me to go back to this point because we want to make sure we understand this, and uh, so we're going to get into it, and uh, wow, that's very echoey. It, uh, it's different. I'll just be really loud so it's really echoey. Um, okay, so I'm going to start in Galatians 5, verse 22. And uh, Pastor Chad last week talked about the fruits of the Spirit. He talked about the four types of love. He hit on them a little bit. You have the sensual loves. We have familia love, which is like a mother and, and a child type love. Uh, we have the... Uh, brotherly love, which is phileo, and then we have the the love of God, the complete love, agape love. And today we are going to sp- speak more on agape love. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. So let's pray about this word before we uh, we dive in deeper. So Father God, I pray that, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts, God, that that nothing I would speak today would be of my flesh, Lord, that would be of me, Lord, but if it is, let it fall on deaf ears. And Father God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, completely change us, Lord, by your words, not mine. And Lord, let us implement what is taught. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the uh, the fruits of the Spirit, Pastor Chad was talking about how the fruit of the Spirit is one thing. It happens when the Holy Spirit comes into you. All these attributes of the fruit should be in our lives. And oftentimes it's not, you know, there, we may, we may hit on some of them and be like, I, I got that, but I don't have this. 
And there's always an evaluation that comes along with why is that not there? If the Holy Spirit is in me, it all should be there. And it is. There's just something that's blocking it, right? And we we should be praying about it. And I'm not going to go back and re-preach what he preached. What I'm actually going to talk about today is that first attribute of the fruit is, is love. I think it's one of these. The agape love. Uh, if you really want to understand agape love, I, I can... We're going to go into 1 Corinthians 13 here in a minute. But the best way I can describe agape love by a passage is if we look at Paul in Scripture. Paul was a Pharisee. He was this great leader, very well educated. Um, He had it all together. And he thought he loved God. Right? He was serving God. And then Jesus said... Hey, you got it all wrong. It's me that you're persecuting, right? And then he begins to Jesus just begin he strikes him blind. He pours us love into him for 3 years he ministers to Paul. And then Paul comes out and he writes things about love that we can't even understand because our old person is only capable of brotherly love. That's as highest love as we can do. That is it. We can love no more than that. But whenever we have the Holy Spirit, we have salvation, there's a whole nother love we're capable of. Paul wasn't capable of it. Peter wasn't capable of it. We'll see later. Nobody is capable of it on their own without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible, okay? And that's where we'll get to in Galatians 6. But uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we know is a love chapter. In verse 4, it says, love is patient and kind. And if you are like me, right when you read that, you're like, yep, I don't have this agape love. Right? Like right off the bat, he just hits us right where it counts, right? Because I can lose patience pretty quickly and I'm not always kind. Love does not envy or boast. And a lot of us think we're really good at that. But I'll tell you the greatest test I know of 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 if you envy is if you're at work and somebody gets promoted over you, but you felt like you deserved a promotion, your reaction tells you where your heart is, right? If, if you go in and you say, oh, I'm so proud of you, I'm, that you will do great, and you start praying for that person to succeed, then, then your heart's in the right place. But if immediately you're like, why them? Why did that person get it, right? Or... When you get that promotion and immediately in your, in your heart, you're like, I am really good. Like, I've worked hard for this. I deserve that. It's a boastful heart, right? It uh, says it is not arrogant or rude. I would like to think we're really good at those, but I doubt it. Right, I think we probably walk with a little bit of arrogance, and you're like, ah, not me. But whenever you're walking, when you're you're walking in a place and you realize you're saved and others aren't, sometimes we feel like we're a little better. Right? We can we can feel like I've got it figured out. Uh, it does not insist on its own way. The good thing is nobody in here ever insists on their own way. We're not that kind of person, right? Like we don't say, well, why why can't it be my way? Or why does it have to be that way? Why are they not doing it this way? You know, or whatever fashion of way we do that. It is not irritable or resentful. 
It is not irritable or resentful. How irritated can we get? This is why God gives us kids and gives children to people. So they can test their agape love. Right? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. You ever watch somebody do something really crazy and you sit there and you think, think, I didn't do it, but that was hilarious. Right? Well, at least I didn't do it. Or you're encouraging them. You're like, yeah, but I wasn't a part of that. But rejoices with truth. Rejoices with truth. Truth is the reality as it pertains to God. Truth is the Word of God. Jesus is the truth. God is the truth, right? I don't know that we always rejoice with the truth. Sometimes we try to hide it. Sometimes we want to hide from it. Sometimes we're like, uh, oh, Adam and Eve, you know, we want to go over and hide out of the way so God doesn't see, right? Or, or maybe, maybe you've been around somebody and they're like, well, that's your truth, not mine, and you just walked away, you know. But we should rejoice in knowing, hey, this is truth, right? We should rejoice in it. We should be excited about it. And if people hate us for the truth, that's okay. We rejoice in it. Love bears all things. And we're going to get more into that in a minute, but love bears all things is a very tough one because sometimes we just want to give up or walk away from something. Right? Really quickly. And uh, it believes all things. I don't know about you, but I've gotten words from God to where I'm like, ah, it seems a little sketchy to me. Right? But we have to believe. And it hopes all things. And this is a hard one because sometimes, I think we've gotten better with the way our world looks right now that, of walking in hope, but there's still so many doubts of, how many times you ever heard anybody, and don't raise your hand if it's you that does it, that ever says like, yeah, this world's hopeless. We're lost. America's done. Right? And we stop having hope in what Jesus can do and who he is. Uh, and it endures all things. Enduring. She'd give me an amen is what that is. Uh Verse 8 says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But what, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And I always, I, I love that part. Because is the words I speak to people, is the love I show people, is the interactions I have with people, will it last forever? Or is it going to fail? Is it going to burn in the fire like everything else that was fleshly? Right? And if we are really praying to God and we are seeking the Lord and we want the Holy Spirit to work through us and that agape love is in us, our actions will be everlasting, right? They're eternal actions whenever it's agape love. I would, I would, I won't know until I make it to heaven, but I am pretty sure every single thing Jesus Christ did on this earth will be forever, right? It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. 
I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When we are kids, you all see kids around you. We have kids complaining in here right now because they want their way, right? And when we're young, even in our faith, we act in a certain way that God's like, ah, man, they'll get there, right? They'll get there. But there comes a point in time where we got to put the past away. we got to put that flesh away. That flesh has to die. Our old man has to die. Our old women have to die. And the new comes, and we should be mature, right? We should be walking as mature adults in Christ. And that's what he's talking about. That's that agape love. If we're not walking in agape love, we are still children. And it's good to have a childish heart, right? It's good to have... Jesus said, come to me like a child. He didn't say, come and act like a child. Right? Stacy George always acts like a child. But she has a mature, loving heart. Right? That's exciting. That's a good way to be. Right? Then it goes on and says, for now we are in a... In a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And this is talking about we're trying to work it out right now. We're trying to be that person that we're going to be fully later on. But we are kingdom-minded people, and we should already be working towards that, right? I, I always like to think we're in training now for what we get to do forever, right? And if we were really good, and we're not because our flesh gets in the way, we would already be amazing. We would already be, you know, we just walk around, whoa, like Moses. You know, Moses with the glory on your face and all that. I would love to do that. I'd love to walk into a place and everybody's like, whoa, what is that, right? But it doesn't happen quite yet. But there are moments of it. I can dimly do that, right? I can walk into somewhere and they're like, I want whatever you have. And you're like, let me tell you about it. You can have it, right? So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, right? So Scripture tells us to always be ready to give uh, reasons for our, our hope and our faith, right? We should always be sharing our faith with everybody. When we go out somewhere and we're trying to make people feel better about themselves or trying to bring joy into their lives or peace into their lives or whatever it is, I... The only way you can do that is through faith. You share your faith of why you believe what you're saying. If I just tell somebody, oh, you should be happy because, you know, God died for us. Well, that didn't tell them much. What's my faith in them? Why do I believe that, right? What is the hope? Mike, uh, for Barnabas Ministry, Mike did this great teaching on our hope and what it looks like, what eternity is going to look like, right? No more tears, you know. There's going to be a lion and a lamb lying together. There's going to be... Uh, Wild animals that would normally kill each other playing together, right? We, you're going to have no more pain. You're going to have no more sorrow. You're going to have no more tears. Why are we not telling everybody about this? Right? Why would I not go out in the street today and say, you know what? Like, I see you're hurting, but one day that doesn't have to be the case. Right? I, I don't know. I, I like the thought of like a mean tiger playing with like a little bitty lamb and you sit there and play and, and you're like wow why is he not eating him because we're now in the perfect 
right? We have a hope of such things. So now we're going to get into Galatians 6. I'm going to try to make this quick because we have the wedding today for uh, Sean and Carissa, and she would be really mad if I went late. So it, uh, but I am grateful for those two. I love them both and uh, great hearts. So uh, verse 1 in, in uh, Galatians 6 says, Brother, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted too. And I think we mostly understand that, right? Whenever somebody falls, we don't kick them when they're down. We don't, we don't push them to the side. We try to restore them, right? And we love them. And we come beside them. But we're still careful that if they're not ready to change, you got to be careful that they don't pull you into it also, right? So you go into these things operating in love, wanting the best for them, but you also make sure you protect yourself when you do it, right? It says, bear one another's burdens. It goes right back to 1 Corinthians 13 when he says that it bears all. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That is a law of Christ to bear one another's burdens. And you may think like, well, nobody's bearing my burdens. He didn't tell you to let somebody else bear your burdens. He said, you bear others' burdens. And sometimes we're waiting for somebody to help us out that we forget that we are in a place to help others. We have the Holy Spirit. We have agape love. We have the ability to love people in a way they don't even understand. Right? It was put inside of us. Uh, the scripture from Mark twelve thirty through 31 says, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. If we do that, the next one becomes even easier. It says the second is this. These are the greatest commandments. It's love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And this came straight from Jesus. Right? So if we're loving our neighbors as ourselves, whenever they have a need... We would serve that need just like it was our own, right? If if I have a problem with my car, I am not, and I have the ability to fix it, I'm going to fix it right then. If my neighbor has a problem with his car, and I say, hey, you know, it's probably this problem, and I walk away, that's not loving him like I love myself. Because if it was my car, I would do everything to fix it, right? But when we have the ability... To do something, and we just, I, I shared this in men's group the other week, but one of my favorite memes I see going around right now is the Christian person looking down, and there's a person drowning with their hand up, and a person looking down says, I'll pray for you. Right? We do that. We do that as Christians. We, we tell people what could work, or we'll be like, oh yeah, that, that sounds horrible, we'll pray for you. When we have the means to pull them out of that spot. When we have the means to help them. And we don't always do that. Sometimes we just look at them. We're like, wow, I'll pray for you. It's rough. John 13, 14, uh, or John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give you to love one another. Isn't that crazy that was a new commandment? To love one another. As I have loved you, so you also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think he wants us to love one another. Not positive. But the only way they will know us is if we love one another. 
That is the only way they will know we are of Jesus Christ. That is it. The only way. If I go out there and I tell them I'm of Jesus Christ, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm a Christian, and I don't show them love, guess what? They, they are, they're going to look at me like, well, he's no different than I am. He's no different than anybody else. But it's by the way I love people that they're going to see a difference. And he says it. As I have loved you, so you also should love another, one another. Now think about how much Jesus loved you and what he did for you. And still doing for you. I mean, a dude knew he was going to go to the cross and die for your sins. And you're like, yeah, but he was God, it was easy. No, he denied himself of his godliness when he was here. As a man, he walked to that cross. He said, God, I don't want to do it. And he still did it. And sometimes we say, Lord, I don't want to do that. And then what do we do? Walk right on away. It's not what Jesus did. He loved us so much that he denied himself and he walked right to that cross and died for us. That's rough. That is love. That's the kind of love I wish I had in me. This is always one that we kind of would like to skip over. But it says, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And I want to point out to you that... That this does not mean that some of you are something and some are nothing. This is Paul saying we're all nothing. Because he realized that before Jesus, he was nothing. He offered nothing. He was horrible. He was killing Christians thinking he was doing the right thing. He really thought he was doing the right thing for God, but he was acting in his own actions. It wasn't until Jesus got a hold of him, the Holy Spirit came into him, that he became anything worthy. And it had nothing to do with him. It was everything to do with God. And sometimes we put ourselves on this pedestal of like, yeah, but I'm saved. You know, or I'm this, or I'm that. And we can often think of ourselves a little better than we should. And I I always think when I'm ministering to somebody and they're a new believer, they're not a believer at all yet, and they're like, I have nothing to offer. I'm like, I'm not like you guys. And I'm like, great. You're the one Jesus can use. Right When they come in, they're like, well, you know, things aren't that bad. It's like, it's going to be a tough one. Right? Because when we think higher of ourselves than we should, well, we're going to fail. Philippians 2.3 says it this way, Then make the joy, my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being united in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, But humility, consider others more important than yourself. Each of you should look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So verse 4 goes on to say, but let each one test his own work. I always love this scripture here. Any scripture that tells me to examine myself, I love it. Because it reminds me to focus on what I'm doing. And then this reason... Or then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Now, this looks like a contradiction a little bit from 1 Corinthians 13, because it says, give you reason to boast, and it says love does not boast. 
I'm going to tell you why this is this way. What he is trying to tell us here is to examine yourself because in, do I have the scriptures down? Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us we will be sitting in front of the judgment seat of Christ. And he is going to examine our works. Right? And he's going to find out how faithful we were in them. And so he's saying, hey, examine yourself to make sure you're ready, to make sure your works are pure, to make sure you're walking in this agape love. You examine yourself, and then he says, don't compare yourself to your neighbor. Right? If I compare myself to, like, I don't know, Hitler, if we're grading on a scale, I'm looking pretty good. Right? But Jesus won't do that. He's not going to come in and be like, you know, Eddie, you didn't do a real good job, but compared to this guy, I think we're going to let you in. Right? That, it don't work that way. Or he's not going to say, you know, normally I wouldn't reward that kind of thing, but nobody else was doing it and you did some stuff, so here's a great reward. He doesn't do that. He examines us by our faithfulness in the work he's given us to do. Right? And I don't know about you, but I fall short in that sometimes. And I have to re-examine myself. I have to make sure I'm doing it for the right reasons and that I'm doing it for Jesus. And I'm not passing it up, right? Then it says there, it says, for each will bear uh, have to bear his own load. So in verse 2 it says, bear one another's burdens. And this says, bear your own load, right? Bearing one another's burdens means when you see somebody going through something, don't turn a blind eye to it, right? Go and help them. The word load here, carry your own load, it's actually like the word for backpack. And it's saying, carry the load I give you. Do your part. Don't expect other people to do it. You do your part. Now, if you're going through a hard time and your brother wants to come help you through that hard time, that's different. But the load Jesus gave you to carry, it is for you to carry. It's not to expect somebody else to do the work that he gave you to do. And it's, whew, that's love. If we can do these things, it is an agape love. Let's see here. Verse 6 says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, this is a scripture, the more I studied it, the more I didn't want to teach it, and I wanted to stay away from it, and then as I'm looking at all the commentaries based on this scripture, I realized that everybody who's done a commentary on this tried to stay away from it also. Even to the point that Martin Luther himself studied this scripture and said he wishes it wasn't in the Bible, because it's awkward for a minister to ever share this, right? But... I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you what Martin Luther said before I go to the actual other notes. He said he's often wondered uh, why all of the apostles reiterated this request in a frequently embarrassing manner. He came to the conclusion that why, when Satan cannot suppress the preaching of the gospel by force, he tries to accomplish his purpose by striking the minister of the gospel with poverty. So when he's talking about let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches, he's actually telling us to take care of those who are over us, take care of those who are teaching us, right? Now, a lot of ministers say, you know, financially the person shouldn't be struggling. 
Martin Luther thought the reason why was because if you can get somebody distracted and take away their needs, like if they have a lot of needs and all that, they will stop preaching to go take care of those needs. Right? And this is not a word for me to try to get you to give Pastor Chad a lot of money. He don't even take a salary from us right now. I wish he did. I wish we were at a place we can provide those needs. But we're not. But he's also talking about more than just more than just money. Right? He said, bear one another's burdens. We should be praying for our pastor. We should be coming up to our pastor and say, look, you know, this is what I like to do or this is what I, but what could I do to serve you? How could I help you? Right? Normally we don't. Normally we come to our pastor with a thousand needs or wants. Actually, more wants than needs usually. But Paul's saying don't do that. It's okay to come to him when you need counseling. It's okay to come to him when you need guidance. But you also need to help provide, right? You need to, to what does it say, share all good things with him, right? We should do that. We should invite him in. We should do more for him. I know I should be doing more for our pastor than I do. And sometimes I think like, man, I've been helping him. And then I read a scripture like this. I'm like, maybe I'm not helping enough, Right? These very things, uh, as Martin Luther says, that the apostles shared it over and over. The apostles, like if you look at Luke, Luke in verse or in chapter one, twelve, and sixteen, just those three right there shares this very thing. And then First Corinthians nine speaks a whole lot about it, and it's all about how we need to support him. You know, we need to take care of him. And you know, I'm not saying go out and give that guy your paycheck. Don't do that. But maybe come alongside him and say, hey, what can I be doing to help you? How can I serve you? Right? Because that's what it says. We are very blessed uh, to have our pastor. Okay, so we're going to move here. So we're going to go to verse 7. And I'm going to go all the way through 10 here. So you don't even have to wait for the rest of it. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. <clears throat> for whatever one sows, that will he reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... We have opportunity to let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I like when he says, God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. And and this is kind of saying that we often wonder why God isn't doing something, or we're wondering why he's not blessing our works. We... uh, and sometimes we do our own work and we, we try to line it up as a, a, a work of God. But he is saying, whatever you sow into, that's what you will reap. It's the same thing he said throughout this whole book. Same thing that he said in verse 5, or chapter 5, when he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh. When you sow into the flesh, whenever you operate in yourself, whenever you're... you're Everything you do is coming from you. Those are the very things you will reap. He promises it, right? 
You know, if I plant corn right now outside, grapes won't grow. If I plant it, probably corn won't grow either. But you get the idea that whatever seed you're planting, that's what's going to grow. Right? And even to the point that whenever Jesus said you plant a fig tree, you expect figs, right? And you know what Jesus did to the fig tree when it didn't bear fruit? He cursed it. And it died and it withered. And it bared fruit no more. And I don't want to be that person. I want to bear good fruit. I want to operate in the Spirit in that way. In verse 10 there it said, So then we, are, we, all, we have opportunity. Let us do good to everyone. So if you're sitting here or you're sitting at home and you're thinking, Well, I really don't have that much opportunity. Scripture tells, you, tells us we do have opportunity. So we need to pray for it, right? We should be praying daily, Lord, how can you use me? Lord, who can I show love to? Lord, why is this fruit not coming out of me? Lord, how can I love better? Right? I should be praying every day. The opportunity is there. Our eyes just may not be open to it yet. We may not be paying attention. But if it's the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to bear that fruit, and you need to be in touch with Him. You need to be in line with Him. You need to be praying, right? And we need to allow that. But there's opportunities. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. He didn't walk out trying to figure out what to do. He was in prayer constantly. He said he withdrew often in prayer. And what he was being seeing in prayer and seeing God do around him, he was a part of it. Right. One of my favorite scriptures is whenever the, the apostles can't cast out the demon and Jesus comes and he casts out the demon and they're like, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, this one only comes out from much fasting and prayer. Yet he didn't stop and fast and pray in that moment. He was already prepared in fasting and prayer so whenever the moment came up, he was ready. And we should be the same. We should be ready. We should be fasting. We should be praying. We should be seeking the Holy Spirit. We should be in a place that when the opportunity is there, good work happens. But we have to be prepared. The opportunities are there if we're prepared to, do, to seek them. I'm going to finish out Galatians 6, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about the, the agape love to close us out. So... Uh, this will be pretty quick here, Galatians 6, because the rest of it is kind of like just an Paul just bringing it together real quick, right? So verse 11 says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. I probably should have looked into that. That seems important, but I don't understand why it was large letters. <laughs> but you can look that up on your own. It is to... It is, Those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. This always reminds me of the church today. And maybe not as much today as it was yesterday. We're getting out of it a little bit, but we've always been willing to go talk to anybody who was unsaved and try to get them circumcised, right? 
we're trying to like, hey, you need to follow these rules. You need to follow this law. Scripture says this, and they don't even know Jesus, and we're trying to put his words upon him. The scriptures were only written, this Bible right here is only for believers. This is only for those who are saved. If you're not saved, you'll never understand a word in it, and it has nothing to do with you. Don't try to live up to it without Jesus. It's impossible. And it is impossible for us to minister to people through this word until we, t- we introduce them to Jesus Christ. Right? I can't tell people to go out and stop being sexual and moral and them stop. They would have stopped if they could. They can't. They need Jesus. Right? So we have to stop being the type of people who are like trying to put all these rules on people. Trying to get them to follow laws that are not for them to follow. It says we're to show them the cross of Christ. And the reason why we do that is because we don't want to bear the cross of Christ sometimes. That's what it says. That's just crazy to me. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Hmm. It's like the, the woman caught in adultery, right? All these people come about and they're like, hey, you did this and she's in adultery. Jesus, what are you going to do? And Jesus says, hey, if you're without sin, you can throw the first stone. Right? He's just reiterating a lot of what Jesus already taught us, right? We should be like Jesus in that moment, not like those people who were trying to get that woman persecuted. Now, mind you, we're not Jesus in that moment. We are the people who are bringing the woman to Jesus, only we should be asking him to forgive her and to help her instead of saying, hey, stoner, right? But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. You ever notice some people would much rather say we had this many people give their life to Christ today and then they they just leave it at that number like this many said to prayer today. And then you never hear anything else about that person after that. And that's kind of what he's saying. Don't don't be in that trap of, hey, I got them to follow the law or I got them to to convert, right? It's more, more about transformed lives than it is converting lives right anybody can say a prayer and go home and continue living the way they were we should live our lives that even if we get somebody to say the sinner's prayer we get them to accept christ that now we're going to walk with them and help them get to where they need to be right but far be it from me to boast except for yeah to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And this is one of those things that if you're not doing the things wrong, it's not you that's not doing them wrong. It's only because Jesus already took care of it. Right? We can often think we're good people, and it goes right back to before. Don't think of yourselves higher than you should. We're pretty crappy people without Jesus. That's why Scripture does say our works are like minstrel rags. Because on our own, we're nothing. For neither circumcised or circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. There it is. Whether you obey the law or you don't obey the law, if your heart's not transformed for Christ, you don't have that relationship with Jesus, it really doesn't matter. 
And as for all who walk by this, this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon Israel of God. And I like that. You want peace and mercy, walk with Christ. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And when you walk in the Spirit, it doesn't mean there's not going to be troubles. I look out here and I see people who have all kinds of struggles. I see people who've been through it. But I've also seen the ones who walk with Christ through it and just a peace about it and a joy. And then I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I would have had that peace and joy through that. Right? And it's how much you, where's your faith at? Right? Where's your hope at? Right? From now on, let no one cause me, cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ be with our with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And it, I like that he points that out at the end that we're covered with the marks of Jesus Christ. We belong to Jesus Christ. If you want to attack somebody in here, if you want to try to condemn somebody in here, if you want to try to question somebody in here. You better look at their back first, right? If they belong to Jesus Christ, it is yours to support them and to love them. Help them to get to where they need to be. Otherwise, you're attacking the anointed one of Christ. And we do not ever want to be in that position. So worship team, you can come up. And I'm going to close in John 21, verse 15. And I want you to know... I've studied this scripture many times, and I will tell you I am not a Greek philosopher. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm not a Greek philosopher. But as I look at different words in the scripture, I believe it to be true what I'm going to teach you. And from other commentaries and people who are way smarter than I am, that what we're going to talk about here will tell you the difference between our capability to love and God's capability of love. Okay? So in John 21, verse 15, this is right after Jesus comes back. Peter had already denied him three times. And what did Peter say before he denied him three times? He said, I will never deny you. And I don't think anybody in that time period or now would ever say that Peter did not have a love for Jesus Christ. But I will tell you, he had the highest possible love a man can give somebody without the Holy Spirit's help. Right? There's a different kind of love. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And that word love there is agape. Do you agape me more than these? Agape love is the full love of God. It's a perfect love that only comes from the Holy Spirit in us. And Peter replied... Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but he used phileo love, brotherly love. You know that I brotherly love you. This is a humbleness, because he thought before his brotherly love was good enough that he could do whatever he thought he could do, but he couldn't. He failed, right? And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And said, agape love. And Peter says it again, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo love me? Now Jesus is lessened it. He didn't expect him to agape love him. Peter, before, thought he was capable of agape love on his own, and he fell. But it's always phileo love that he was capable of. And Peter was grieved because he said to him this the third time. A lot of translations said he wept, right? And at that moment, I imagine that was the hardest thing ever. Because you had told him you would never fail him. And Jesus is revealing to him that you're capable of phileo, but you're not capable of agape. And he cries, right? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. And he said to him again, feed my sheep. And I want you to understand that sometimes we are very capable of certain kinds of loves. We're very capable of doing some things on our own. Remember, God knows everything. The reason why Paul said to examine yourself, to test yourself, to see where you're at, is so you would know where you're at. Peter had to know where he was at in this moment. It took a lot of humbling for Peter to say, this is the best I can do. Right? And we need to figure that out. Are we even capable of agape love? Are we capable of it right now? Are you at a point that where God can use you to love people the way that He loved us? And we have to we have to figure that out. And Jesus said, even with the with the phileo love, He was still telling Him, "Feed my sheep." Doesn't matter where we're at at the moment. We still have to feed the sheep. We still have to love one another. We still have to take care of one another, right? And we seek the Lord and we seek the Holy Spirit. God didn't leave him be. He didn't say, you'll never, you'll never agape love me. Actually, he told him to wait, right? And we know on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, fell upon him, and the first one up speaking when everybody's trying to attack what was going on was Peter. We know later on Peter is put in prison for preaching the gospel. Gets out of prison, goes right back to preaching the gospel. Because now he had agape love for God. Now there was something new in him. There was a kind of love that nothing was going to stop him. Right? And we need that kind of love. That's the kind of love that's going to change this community. That's the kind of love that's going to change your family. It's the kind of love that's going to change you, your workplace. You know, I, I often go back to him, but I love Tony Evans' saying that if we want to change America, it's going to t- start in a state, and it's going to start, if you want to change state, it's going to start in your city, and if you want to change your city, it's going to start in your community. If you want to start change the community, start in a church, and if you want to change the church, start in your home, right? And it's with us. Things only change with us. I could sit up here all day long and say, hey, Jason back here should be better at agape love. Right? And Jason would be like, I do. But actually, it doesn't matter to me where Jason's at with his agape love if I'm not there. Right? I should be at a place to where me and the Holy Spirit are so close and I'm seeking Him and I'm loving Him and I'm able to pour out a love that comes straight from God, not me. It's like the song said earlier, from you, 
through you and to you, right? He's capable of all that if we're just willing. And you know how freeing it is. You know how free Christians are when you can just step forward and God takes care of it through you and you don't have to try to figure it out on your own? Because we often labor in vain. And we don't have to. He said, my yoke is easy. My burdens are light. It should be easy. When I step into something, it should just be, wow, that was easier than I expected. The hardest part should be me getting to that point. Not that I won't be attacked or anything, right? We go out and we talk to a lot of people in the community. You know what's easy? When you just let your mouth start speaking. And sometimes, like one day, Cyro and I had a car backing up as we're trying to talk to him. He's just like, oh. And he just keeps backing up. It didn't bother us because we were doing what we were called to do. The rest is on God, right? Hit the guy's face was funny. At least I'll never forget that. But all I have to do is be willing to go out and show the love God showed me, right? And let him do it. And uh, you guys can stand to your feet. I'm going to close in prayer. But this altar is open. Uh, we'll pray for you if you need to, but... Bring it to the altar. If you're not where you need to be, if you're not ready to love people the way Jesus loved, if you're not, if you're at a point that you're worried, you're not even thinking about others anymore, time is now to repent. If we're not helping people, if we're not bearing other people's burdens, right? Time is now. If you're not doing something, Jesus, Paul said, hey, you carry your load. And if we're not carrying our own load, it's time for us to repent and do this. We can, oh, we can do so many amazing things with the help of Christ in this neighborhood. And He will use us if we let Him. And I'm tired of saying no or hold on or wait. And uh, there's so much more. So I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank You, Lord, for who You are. We thank You for these these words for this message, Lord. Father God, I pray that you would help us search our hearts just as you will one day, Lord. Reveal to us, Lord, where we're at, what may be lacking. Lord, show us why agape love is not coming out of us, Lord. Father God, I pray that you would just empower us, Lord, today, that when we go forward through this day, Lord, that that you would begin showing us burdens we can bear. You would begin showing us people we can love, Lord. Lord, you would even show us in this building, you said that we should be caring for those in the household of faith, Lord. Show us how to love one another, Lord. Show us how you're going to bless this place, God. Raise up ministers, Lord, to minister for you, Lord. And God, let your Holy Spirit pour upon all of us, Lord, to love the way you love. Pray and worship, and uh, we'll be here if you need us. Thank you. You know, after praying with Mike and uh Continue to pray for Mike. Mike's got to go get more tests to make sure cancer ain't coming back in him. And he has that test on Thursday, and we're believing for 
way better reports than he's ever had probably that's what we're believing for so pray for him but i just want to encourage you like if you're here and you have maybe you're thinking like i wish my family would change or i wish this and there's so many people you're around and you're not seeing change uh i'm gonna put the harris family up uh kind of like embarrass them a little bit if i can i doubt mike i can but jared i might uh you ask Jared Harris the reason for his faith and why he believes God is who God is, it's because when he was younger, his dad was not saved. But when his dad got saved, he began agape loving everybody he could, right? He began seeing a faith in his dad. He began seeing a hope in his dad. And if you want to see those around you come to Christ, be that kind of example right live it out don't be fake about it let it be real you seek god when god says be with my people love my people do it and i promise you those around you will begin to change they'll begin to see it right happened to my family whenever i got saved and started living right my family started noticing it'll happen in your family when you start living a certain way, I'm not going to tell you they're going to run to Jesus, but they'll start noticing something's different. Right? And it starts with us. Right? So, I'm going to close this in prayer. Don't feel like you have to rush out of here until Stacy says, get out of here, we're about to have a wedding. Wedding's not until 4, you're safe, you're good. And uh, hang out until 3.55. So, we'll be good. So, let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you for how much you love us, God. I thank you in advance, Lord, for good reports that we'll get on Mike, Lord, and so many others. God, I thank you for just the the house of kids we have today, Lord, just a blessing that is, Lord. I pray you continue to bring more people into our children's church, Lord, and more people into this body, Lord. Let us love them in a way that only you can love them, Lord. Let them show them who you are, God. Let them know that when they walk through this door that you are real. God, I pray as we go through our days, Lord, and even today, that that people would begin to see the difference in us. They would begin to see a change in us, God. That they would know who you are, Lord, because they see something so different in us that was not like we were before. Let us live that way, God. Let us love that way. And Father God, show off. Lord, for those around you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.